Hi guys, welcome to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast and today's special Thanksgiving episode. This whole season is being brought to you by Azure Standard. It's a family-owned company that literally saw a broken model of food production in the United States and they got to work creating a better way. They're an independent food supply chain that connects food suppliers directly to consumers. The last episode here on the podcast, the founder and CEO was on. It was a great episode that oh, David gave us so much insight into sugars. I learned so much. If you haven't yet caught it, please go back. You will not regret it. And it's a pretty sweet one, if you know what I mean. Um, I just have to throw that in. And um, oh, David also gives us insight into how they um, hold their products and their suppliers to a very high standard and how they choose what they will be offering and how they go through and decide what they're no longer offering and how that works. And I love it that they are only offering real food with natural ingredients and zero junk. Go to solelyrested.com slash Azure, A-Z-U-R-E, to find out more. There you will find how to find your nearest drop location close to you. And there's that special code that they have offered as a gift to you for a really nice savings on your very first offer. And I've also added a link to 12 of my favorite things. It was hard to narrow it down to 12, believe it or not, but there are a dozen of my favorite things that I would purchase nowhere else that I always go to Azure Standard to get them. So go check that out at solelyrested.com slash Azure, A-Z-U-R-E. Also, after listening to this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you go leave a review on Apple Podcast. And if you do, you'll be entered into a chance to win a copy of the book that we're talking about in today's episode. The author of Just Show Up is coming on in just a second. You will earn, if you win the drawing, you'll get a copy of Drew's book, Just Show Up, and my book, Sweet Maple, because it's that time of year we're all baking more and you really need to figure out the simple ways to include more all-natural sugar in the things you're baking. And this book will walk you through it step-by-step, step, hold your hand. It will also help you know how to make your own sugar and who doesn't want to do that. So go leave a review on Apple Podcast, and you will earn a chance to win your own copy of both of those books. So this Thanksgiving, I really want to encourage you to just stop, slow down, breathe deep. Stop trying to do all the things and just show up. Just be fully present. And guys, be thankful that you can't do it all. Be thankful that you are imperfect and you are sometimes messing things up. Trust me, I really mean that. Stick with me and you'll understand what I mean. Be thankful that simple, small things add up to a life of great meaning and big impact. Isn't it cool? How it's true. Small things can make a really big impact. To encourage us in all of this, our guest today is coming on who has studied this exact idea that just showing up is what really matters in life. Drew Dick is the author of a brand new book, Just Show Up, and it's all about how small acts of faithfulness change everything. 
Drew is the editor. I'm sorry, not the editor. I have many. Drew is an editor at Moody Publishers, and he is the former managing editor of Leadership Journal. He's the author of several books, and his work has been featured in Christianity Today, Relevant, and CNN.com. So let's bring him on. I am so excited that you're joining us today, Drew, for this kind of different episode for us on the podcast. I'm taking a break from our usual, and I'm really excited about this Thanksgiving episode. So thank you for taking the time to be with us. Oh, thank you for having me. What a great topic. This is the time of year to be extra thankful. Yeah. And it's the time of year to be extra crazy and forget about what's important, right? That too. <laughs> so I love your book. I've just been, I just started it. It's it's a really great reminder to me that I, I'm always busy, Drew. I am always hectic. I'm always, I'm definitely the Martha of the Mary and Martha scenario. I just, I need to have reminders like your book wherever I can that I need to just be present sometimes. I don't need to always be doing and always be type A. Um, so I don't know. Is that why you wrote the book? Did you write it for me? Why Why did you write your book, Drew? Well, I hate to be selfish, but I wrote it for me, first of all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's how I tend to do things. It's like I encounter kind of a problem or a certain struggle, and then I end up writing out of that. Um, and so, Well, yeah, don't I, get ahead of us, because I'm going to ask you about oh, that, actually. Okay. Yes, I won't. No. You know, yeah, just being, you know, I'm kind of in the midlife phase right now, and I've got, you know, kids and and aging parents and a busy career. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just found myself exhausted and overwhelmed often by the amount of responsibilities coming at me. Um, and, yeah. and then, like you said, it's so easy to not be present when you feel that weight of things, just kind of like going through things, seeing people as objectives rather than an end in themselves. Right. And so, yeah, one thing that I've really wanted to be more intentional about is slowing down, like, especially with my kids. It's like, okay, dad, put mm. the phone down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember one time I was, I was on my phone and my son pulled it out of my hand and I snapped at him. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I just want your attention. And I was Aww. like, oh man, that mm. hit me hard. But yeah, just, yeah. and also this is a struggle for me personally, but like I have these or especially when I was younger, it's like, oh, I'm going to change the world. I got these grand ambitions to do these amazing things yes. with a broader influence. And that's fine. But sometimes when you're too focused on that, what ends up happening is you miss the people that have been put right in front of you in your life, your family, your friends, your community. Um, and so I just want to be sure that I am showing up for them. Absolutely. And the phone. Oh, we did a whole episode, actually. The author of Wolf in Their Pockets was on and we were talking about the phone. Yes, yes. Chris Martin. Yep. And he's a hoot, by the way. Isn't he a great guy? Love <laughs> he really Chris. Is. We're buddies. Um, I will put in the show notes what episode that was for you, you guys listening, because I can't remember now. But um, it was a really, really great insight into the phone and how it horribly impacts our relationships with others, for sure. Um, okay, so... I know, I think we all know, but we need to remind ourselves that it's it's really this steady accumulation throughout our lives of those simple, small things, not that big goal we thought we were going to have when we were younger, you know, but it's those simple things that add up. It's like you can have to have the best impact and the most meaning with your life. It's not going to be that big goal you reach that once you reach, you're like, oh, shoot, that's done. Now what? Right. <laughs> like for me, I thought it was going to be publishing a book, which was so much fun yet also exhausting. But then, you know, you're holding it in your hands and it's the day that it's in the store and you're kind of like, okay, but what's next now? You know? <laughs> it's like, Isn't that and the that, truth? you know, no matter how big, and that was the biggest dream of my life, no matter how big the dream there's, it's, it's not going to be that overwhelming 
satisfying thing for the rest of your life that you always thought it would be. But, yeah. but, um, <laughs> okay. But it doesn't mean it's easy. Like we know, okay, it's the small things, Michelle, it's the little moments in life. That's what matters. doesn't mean it's easy. Like, hmm. um, and you definitely point that out in the book that sometimes you, like one thing you talk about is sometimes you have to play a role when your heart really isn't in it. And I want to actually quote you correctly. You wrote, at some point, you have to step forward and play the role, knowing you're going to stumble your way through. So tell us about that. Yeah. Some people call it imposter syndrome, right? Where you have a certain role and it can be a relational role, like your husband, a wife, a father, a mother, or it can be a role at work or, you know, a volunteer position, whatever it is. But all of a sudden you have this sense like, oh my goodness, I don't really know what I'm doing. Everyone else does, of course, except me. I didn't get the memo. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I feel unequal to the task. Um, And what I encourage people to do there too, because I think in our time we place such a high premium on authenticity right? It's like, oh, I have to be really vulnerable and share all my feelings. Well, not all the time. I think the pendulum has swung too far that way in some ways. So especially when it comes to to roles, like I remember, um, you know, I'm a Christian. I was um, uh, in the hospital with my wife. She'd had a minor surgery and it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was fine, but we were a little shaken by it. And I remember a pastor from our church came to visit us, which was great. But I remember it was funny. You wrote he, about this in the book, actually. I did. Yes, that's yeah. right. And he plops down beside my wife's bed and he just looks at me and he's like, man, things aren't going so well at church. <laughs> and he's like, I, I, I don't know if I'm really called to, to ministry. And he started just kind of airing all these misgivings he had yeah. about his occupation, which is fine. I would have been, you know, happy to have that conversation with him at a different time. But I was like, yeah, man, I need someone to, <laughs> to, to show up, to comfort us, to provide that presence um, mm-hmm. and and speak into our life, pray over us. Uh, and and um, that's what I needed in that moment. Now, he was being very authentic. But sometimes I learned, not just for people in ministry, but for all of us, it's good to kind of play a role that you've been assigned, even when your heart isn't in it, even maybe if you're not feeling it in that moment, because people need you. And so yeah. you can kind of set your your feelings aside. Now, what you said too about the small acts, yeah, that's, that's a huge thing because I think especially these days, you look online, you see people blowing up on Instagram seemingly overnight and accomplishing these great things. And of course, sometimes yeah. it's an illusion or you're comparing your everyday life to their highlights. Sure. But in addition to that, like you said, really what makes an impact over time is that daily, steady, plodding, you know, faithfulness of showing up for whatever it is, for the work that you've been called to do, for the people around you. And and as you look back, it may not yield many benefits in a day or a week or a month, but as the years go by, you realize that that's how you make an impact. It's not glamorous. It's not sexy, (laughs) but that's kind of how life works. Yeah. And I love the point that you mentioned job too, because for me as a mom and a, you know, a wife, I tend to, when I talk about those small acts, I think about the the cleaning the house things and the doing the meal things that I really am not crazy about doing, but I'm showing up, I'm doing it because I know I should. But I like that you brought in work too, because I mean, I think all of us, even if no matter what kind of a job we have, like you said, if we're called to it, it's it's important, and we need to just show up for that too sometimes, and, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell people, you know, I'm an author and an editor, but really, I'm an emailer. That's that's like a. <laughs> I didn't think that's I grew up to be an emailer. <laughs> yes, and and I, I'll admit, I don't so love true. emails. I don't love you know slogging through my inbox. Um, and yet yes. it's important because it's part of my job, and it you know you're communicating with people, and yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's And it's funny because a lot of people think, well, if I had that job, 
my dream job, I'd be happy. Or if mm. I was doing this, I'd be so happy. Yes. Guess what? Every person's job has parts of it that they absolutely hate. <laughs> like yes. the technical things, maybe you're filling up forms or whatever it is um, that doesn't jive with your personality. And yet yeah. you got to slog through those things because ultimately it makes a difference. It does for sure. Um, I love that you stress the point too in the book that it's it's really important to be physically present with people. And we actually talked about this last season here on the podcast that um, we need to reevaluate our economy almost and really decide what we need to invest in. And what we should be investing in, we talked about last season, is the people who are deeply important to us, who have been placed in our lives, you know, for a reason that we can be making an impact on. So why is it so important to be physically present, to invest in those people? Yeah, it's important. And it's hard because we are in this weird time where we're all so digitally connected. Um, yeah. And it's so tempting just to, I mean, I work from home. So my most of my meetings are on Zoom. And of course, there's a little irony here because we're talking through the internet. I don't know how that yep. works. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> uh, and, and hey, that's awesome. I'm thankful for tools like that, that enable us to connect with people that, that we wouldn't otherwise. Um, right. And yet, and yet, and I stress this in the book, right? There's no replacement for physical presence. Like you think yeah. about the pandemic. I mean, most of us had phones, right? And yet rates of anxiety, loneliness, depression shot through the roof because we were isolated yep. from one another. And I just think it's so easy, especially when someone's going through a hard time just to go, well, maybe I'll shoot them a text. I mean, that's great. Yes. You know, or yeah, hey, thoughts and prayers, um, or leave a, a broken heart emoji on their Facebook page or something <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as if that kind of solves the problem. Um, but there is nothing better than being there in person. I tell this story in the book, but there's a great story about Beethoven, the composer, and he found conversation awkward and difficult because he's deaf. He hears about his friend who loses, who lost a son and he rushed to the friend's house and he, he didn't know what to say. He had no words of comfort, but he, there was a piano in the room and he sits down and just for half an hour, he pours out his grief through music mm. and then he leaves. And the friend mm. later remarked that no other visit had been as meaningful. Well, of course, I mean, it's Beethoven. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I love that because, you know, that story, because he could have mm. stayed home, right? There were other people that were more eloquent to comfort this guy, but he showed up. And he offered what he could and it was more than enough. And I think that when you do show up for someone and sometimes you stay away because you're like, oh man, I don't know what to say. I don't really have the right advice to give. I'm not the right person mm -hmm. to do this. But when you show up, you will find some unique way to, to be a comfort um, to that person. And even if you have nothing to say, man, like when I think back to the hardest times in my life, I don't remember usually what people said to me, maybe a mm -hmm. line or two, but I'll, I remember who was there, right? Mm -hmm. I remember who actually showed up for me when I was in a, in a dark or discouraging season. And so when you can do that for other people, man, that makes a difference. Very good point. Um, yeah. Well, another way that, um, well, you know, you also were talking in the book, you had a story about two different dads too, as you were talking about Beethoven, and it actually made me think about them too. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about already. Yes, I do. You know? Yeah. I'm yeah. Test my can memory here, that? but yes, no, I, I can. Absolutely. So it was, it was just kind of interesting. I'd had conversations with two different friends about their fathers in pretty close proximity uh, to one another. And the one father was this guy who was kind of in and out of my friend's life, more, more out than in actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, he'd come by once in a while, you know, to maybe give him a birthday present, but that was about it. And then when he got older, he, you know, found Jesus, which is great. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he would come by and just kind of preach at his son, his now grown son, um, and tell him where he was messing up and yeah. what he could be doing better. <laughs> and, and it and it's could funny be he, he thought he was doing well. It could be I'm sure he had he did. good intentions. He know? probably did. And I, and yeah. that's, and I think it helped him get his own life together. And then he's, but he was probably doing yeah. it not the right way. Um, 
and yeah. and his, the the friend's wife really resented it. But anyway, um, and then another friend of mine, I was talking to him about his dad, and he said. And it was weird. He said, my dad and I like never have the talk like about sex. We never, mm-hmm. he never said, I love you. Um, or he said, if he did, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so weird. And he's like, he would sit through a whole dinner and he just wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, was he mad? Cause my family was very gregarious and talkative. I can yeah. imagine that. And he's like, no, he wasn't mad. And he's like, and he was at every game. He was, you know, he, he purposefully didn't work too much so he could be present with us every night, every game, you know? He's like, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loved me, but he just never said much. And I was thinking to myself, who's the better dad? <laughs> now, the, neither was perfect, yeah. right? You should say, I love right. you to your kids, right? You, you should. Absolutely. 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 And dinner time conversation is pretty important. Too. Exactly. And you <laughs> yeah. need that affirmation, yeah. verbal affirmation yeah. as a child. So absolutely, he had room to improve. But man, I'm telling you, if I could pick one, I'm yeah. picking the one who was there, right? Because he was physically present, coming back to that theme. Um, it's huge. And, and what's true in parenting is true in the rest of life as well. Uh, you know, it's better to be, better to be there than stressing about being perfect. Cause guess what? You're never going to do things perfectly. Uh, but your presence is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Another way that simple, small acts can really be hard is the fact that sometimes you have to relive your mistakes and your heartaches. And we all face times in our life when we're not sure what the next step should be. You know, we're making a big decision in life. Do we buy this house? Do we move? Do we change our job? Whatever the big decision is, and we're not sure what to do. Or maybe we think what's really going to give our life purpose and what's the next thing, you know? And you write about how we should look back and find those gaps in our life, the places that we fell in, you know, that we made the biggest mistakes and, and didn't know the right information that we should know. And that time in our past could be what helps us determine mm-hmm. where we move forward, right? And we can describe, um, or you described how we can fill in those gaps so someone else doesn't fall in them. And maybe that possibly is some of the answer of what we're looking for as we move forward. Does that make sense? I think I totally yeah. messed that no, up. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely. And and actually, uh, that idea was in the book, but I stole it from Heather Day Thompson, is I, I believe is her name. Mm. She's a, okay. a communications professor and and author as well. And I and I love she shared how she had done that. She's a yeah, she's a professor. She shares a story I remember about how she had an awful first year of college where she felt betrayed by her friends and ended up dropping out, and it was just this awful experience. Now she's a professor, oh, that's right. so she says, yeah, yes. when people sit in my office. And they're crying because they're having a first, you know, 18-year-old freshman. She's like, I know what those tears feel like. And she loves being able to help them and speak into their life. And that's just a cool example of, yeah, going like, okay, what's my purpose? And then it's like, yeah, where did I struggle? What gaps did I fall into? Can I help someone in that same area? And and the people that I meet that are like the most passionate about what they do often are doing that. They're they're able to empathize and relate to the people that they're helping. And so that's so cool. And then when it comes to finding your purpose... I think this is huge, especially for young people. Although let's face it, like I'm, I just turned 46 and I still don't know what I'm going to do with my life. So you know, it, <laughs> that question never goes away. It's hilarious. It's you know? true. It's true. <laughs> but it's good. We should always have is. something else keeping us busy and moving forward. You know, you're right. Good. You don't want to just be like, okay, I'm going to do this till I die. All right. Yep, gotta figure exactly. it out. <laughs> so you're always trying to figure out, okay, what should I be doing? And it can be a paralyzing question and a scary one, right? Especially because you're like, wow, this is a big commitment. Um, yeah. And... Yeah. But that's where I think the small steps are so important because you go, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of proceed in this direction where I feel called to do something and I don't know where it's going to lead. But then as you start, you know, as you start moving, 
then things start becoming clear. It's one of those things where you have to start making steps before the path appears. Right. <laughs> Whereas if you sit around kind of waiting from a, for a sign in the sky about what yeah. you should do, you might be waiting a while. And I, I encourage, especially younger people, to just start moving uh, in the direction you feel called or you, as you see needs, you know, mm-hmm. start f- uh, filling them and it'll be amazing how your calling becomes clear. Yeah. And it's not all about us. That's something I get trapped yes. in all the time, that thinking, what about me? What am I supposed to do? And sometimes it's, what, is, what does somebody else need that I can be doing? You know? Yep. That's an unpopular yeah. message, but true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. You're right. It's very unpopular. But <laughs> And I love, my wife said something good about this. She said, like, when she's in a certain role and she's nervous or she's not sure what to do, she's like, I look at the person that I'm supposed to be helping and go, what do they need from me? And letting mm-hmm. that dictate often how you respond, how you act. So not only can it help you find what you're supposed to be doing, but it can actually help you do it in a better way when you're thinking That's about what others point. need. And you shared that in the book because I remember that that was something made me stop and I reread it because I thought, ooh, that's a really good way to look at it. Like, I don't know I what to say I quote my wife a lot in the book, you know, she's, <laughs> she's a little smarter than me. So I, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. okay. So after all the encouragement that you have filled in your book about, you know, how it's important to be there for people and to just show up, um, after all the encouragement that you give people to show up for their friends and their family and their community and themselves, you also tell them, let some things slide. Why <laughs> do you say that? Well, for the simple fact that you cannot show up for everything, right? Mm. And if you're going to be if you're going to be present and you're going to be like committed to certain things and certain people, um, just because we're finite creatures, we just can't do everything. And so this is the painful part, especially for people pleasers like me, where you just want to say yes to everything and do everything. Yeah, or if me you too. are guilty, right? You know how this is, mm-hmm. yeah. And or if you're yeah. a perfectionist and you're like, okay, but you I know need what? To do everything this year. Drew, it's still coming back to me though. When I'm that people pleaser, it's really about me. It's really because yes. I don't want them to not see me in the best light. So yeah, you're right. Anyway, I'm gets, sorry. Gets, I no, no, no. It gets cloaked <laughs> as humility, right? But it's actually pride, yes. not to be. <laughs> yes, I, I think I can so say that because I struggle the same thing. Because yeah, yeah you don't want to appear like you're insufficient or you don't have it all together or you can't do everything. Um, you're mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So it's a little pride yeah. swelling actually to go. Uh, hey, I gotta, I gotta cut back on some things here. Yeah. And of course, you're worried about disappointing people. Although it's interesting, mm-hmm. I cite one study in the book that shows that actually people overestimate how upset people are going to be when they say no to things. Ooh, Especially if you give good answers and you say, "Hey, listen, I can't do that this year because X, Y, and Z. I'm sorry, I would love to, but I can't." Most people cut you slack, and they go, "Oh, I understand. Mm-hmm. I get that." Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I encourage people to kind of identify something, and it sounds bad to let something slide. Um, the silly example I give, and I'm looking at it right now, is my yard, which I had dreams of <laughs> making perfect forever. It's blotchy and gross, and mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I need to like get new sod in there or seed it and do all these things. And then I realized, you know what, man, this is a busy season of life, and I got kids playing on it and stuff. I think for right now, I'm just not going to have a good yard. I'm going to say mm-hmm. it's the most environmentally yard, uh, friendly yard in the neighborhood and put that positive <laughs> spin on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that there is one go. thing that I'm going to let slide. And one thing I encourage people to do, like, because then it's like, okay, well, that's that's great. I got to let something slide. I get that. But how do I decide what that's is that That's what thing? I was just going to ask you. Oh, I'm good. I anticipated <laughs> your next question. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And there's uh, there's a lot that goes on. You know, as a, as a Christian, I pray about it. Uh, I try to sense what I should um, let go of. I also um, consult with a lot of people, like, and especially people that know you, right? So it's maybe your spouse, they're not you, but they have a really, uh, they, they know you well. 
Um, yeah. They know your gifts and your your limitations. Um, but then also, I, I ask this one question. I always say, if I were to drop this commitment, would my primary emotion be sadness or relief? Mm. And if it's relief, that's often a sign that maybe I need to drop it. Um, now, of course. That's a great that, point. Because you know what? Yeah. If it's relief, that means if you keep going through the motions and doing that commitment, they're not getting the best of you. And you really might be hurting whatever that is that you're you're involved in more than helping it. So that, that's a really good way to look 100%. at it. hundred percent. And it will drain you for the other things yes. that, that you're you're called to. You know, it's interesting. My, my book before this one was on self-control. And I read a lot about like self-regulation and willpower and habits and mm. stuff. But the, the interesting thing that I found from reading the, the literature on that is that willpower is a finite resource. That is the mm. ability to do something hard. Uh, you think, oh, I can just keep doing this or withstanding temptation, whatever it is. But no, you get weaker as you go and it actually runs out like a battery. <laughs> and so mm. when you're doing a, a certain activity that is incredibly taxing for you, maybe it's because it kind of cuts the, against the grain of your personality or it's incredibly difficult. It actually drains your willpower and there's less left over for other activities. So when you can offload something, yeah, like you said, that is that 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 would be very difficult for you. That's always a win. Now, of course, the caveat necessary probably is you can't be like, okay, I'm gonna offload my responsibilities as a parent <laughs> or I'm gonna, you know, dial it in at my job or something, right? I mean, you gotta yeah. do certain things. I get that. But let's face it, we all take on probably more than we need to often and sometimes we have to let something slide. For sure. So what do you hope will be the biggest takeaway that someone takes from the book? And and how can this takeaway make us more thankful this Thanksgiving week? Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope it causes people, you know, speaking of thankfulness, to take stock of their life and think of the people that showed up for them. Because as I wrote the book, I was flashing back, man, to like fifth grade and thinking of my, mm. my teacher who, you know, I, I was really struggling in school and terrible at math and, and calling myself dumb. And he's like, Drew, you're not dumb. You're smart. And he took mm -hmm. his lunches um, every day for like three months to get me up to speed. You know, and wow. I think of someone like that, that just made a huge difference in my life, spoke into my life at a crucial moment. Um, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think of friends and family that have been there when I've gone through hard times. Uh, and so I hope it'll do the same for other people. If they think back to how, how people showed up for them in their life. And then hopefully that inspires them to show up for other people. Um, and I do hope it gives people some kind of resolve to keep going because that can be tough. I th everyone I talk to is tired, right? And a lot of yeah. people too feel like they've been put on the shelf. It's like, man, I thought mm -hmm. I was going to do something. I thought I was going to have mm -hmm. some sort of impact. And it's not always like a, a selfish sort of, you know, self-aggrandizing thing. And then it didn't happen and they're discouraged. And, and I talk a lot about this in the book, but I talk about the example of Moses, that biblical character, right? He mm -hmm. starts out pretty strong. He's going to be this great liberator of his people. Uh, he has a fancy education and then bang, he gets stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, tending sheep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this I is just... how I'm using my education. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, and yet, you know, in the, he, he's, he's faithful in his, his calling as a shepherd, he's tending the sheep and it's in the midst of doing that, that he gets his call finally after 40 years to lead the Israelites. And if you, you know, if you remember Sunday school, you know, the stories, uh, um, out of, out of, uh, Egypt and out of slavery. And so sometimes you find yourself in that wilderness phase where you're kind of going, man, what happened? Uh, but 
my encouragement is be like Moses, keep showing up, doing the next thing in front of you, even if it's boring and mundane and you feel like you're toiling in obscurity, because that will all be used in that next phase. You don't even, sometimes you can't even anticipate how it's going to be used for what you're called to do. Yeah. Good stuff. And you know, it comes down to even Thanksgiving day. You just don't even know who around your table after you worked at all the big meal and you're feeling flustered. If you're like me, <laughs> you don't know how that day might impact somebody around the table. So just be there, yes. be present and enjoy who you're with. And I have some other very practical advice about Thanksgiving day. Now, oh, good. If, you're, if you're like my family and mm-hmm. you go around the table saying what you're thankful for, mm-hmm. make sure you go early. Because all the good things get taken up. People say, oh, I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for friends. And by the time it gets to you, you have to say you're thankful for like quality dental care or something. (laughs) It gets really tough by the end. That's a good point. It's it's slim pickings at the end. So I jump in early. That's my little secret. Uh, Well, okay. Well, I'll throw in mine that if anybody's not tried this, if you have a big turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce for your lunch, for your dinner, you need to put all those same things on some sliced toast with lots of butter and make yourself what we call a Bobby sandwich. Absolutely delicious. It has to happen in our Thanksgiving home. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I'm doing it. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I'll make sure leftovers. I pipe up first with what I'm thankful for. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun, Drew. And I really, I appreciate that you helped us take this little break here on the podcast for some special Thanksgiving episode and your book, Just Show Up, How Small Acts of Faithfulness Change Everything is one that folks listening really should check into. Hey, thank you. All right. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for listening in, friends. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Drew. And hey, if you make a Bobby sandwich this Thanksgiving, please let me know. Maybe we should start a hashtag, Bobby with butter or something. (laughs) Because I always slather butter on, like I mentioned to Drew. And I know some people like this sandwich with mayonnaise. I'm not a mayonnaise fan. I'm much more of a bird, <laughs> butter girl, not a birder girl, much more of a butter girl. Um, so I don't know. If you try the sandwich, let me know. And most importantly, let me know if you use mayonnaise or butter. Reach out to me over on Instagram. Um, I want to remind you to go leave a review on Apple Podcast, and you have entered yourself automatically once you do that into a chance to win a copy of Drew's book as well as my book. And the winner will be announced at the end of this season. So please take a second to do that. And um, I also want to tell you one other thing. (laughs) You know how last season I fell in that hole in our kitchen in the floor and that impacted how the season went. And I was recording without video for a couple of different reasons. Well, yesterday I literally fell down a hill. (laughs) on a hike. Um, and I don't know the full ramifications yet. It's only been a day, but I thought I would mention that I do have a concussion and I am probably going to have to pause a little bit on the recordings, um, for a couple of reasons. We'll see. So there might be, there was definitely going to be a recording coming out next week because that's already done and in the books and ready to go. I'm excited about that, by the way, you definitely don't want to miss next episode. If you are all into it's going to sound funny, but if you're into cooking fats and you really like to uh, know more about fats and how tallow compares to lard, you are going to like next episode. Trust me. If you're a fan of Ruth Ann Zimmerman, you definitely are going to love next episode. So please join us 
for that. And then there might be a few weeks break is what I'm trying to say. Not sure what this concussion is going to be doing to me and um, how it's going to impact recording. So just wanted to let you know, be patient with me and hopefully I'll see you again really soon. Um, but thanks for listening. And remember, it's easy to forget how blessed we are to live this life. So enjoy the simple everyday efforts. It's not easy, but it's a good life.